the choice, and love is something that we give. Uh, unlike the, the world teaches us, uh, most people are looking for love to get love. You know, who's going to love me? Who's going to fill my needs? But, you know, the Bible clearly shows us that love is, number one, a choice, not something that we feel or, or not feel, but something that we choose to do. And it also tells us how we choose to love in 1 Corinthians 13, right? And love is in love until it is given. So it's something that we give. And then we also talked about joy. And, uh, and the thing we said about this is that this is the fruit of the Spirit, so we don't want this to turn into works like, oh, I have to do this, I have to do that. But instead, when we're uh, in the Spirit and not in the flesh, right, because you know that you can sit on chair number one or chair number two, chair number one is, you know, the flesh, chair number two, you're walking in the Spirit, right? And so when we choose to walk in the Spirit, we automatically produce the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And it is when we, you know, move to the chair of the flesh and we're walking in the flesh that it becomes really hard to love, really hard to have joy, really have to have, really hard to have uh, patience and all the other ones. And so it's really, uh, what you're finding out is that all the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit have these things in common that when we're walking in the Spirit instead of in the flesh, it becomes an easy thing to do. Okay, and so I can choose joy. We said uh, also joy is a verb, right, which means to rejoice. And so it's, it's something that we do, right? And then today we're going to talk about peace, and peace is actually um, a little bit different than these two because peace isn't something that we can just choose to do, um, but instead, peace is a result of something else. So we're going to talk about that today and how to, why is peace important? Why, uh, w- what's the role that peace plays in our heart? So Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, uh, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. peace. Right? Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. You know, we find out a lot about God's will by uh, learning His names and studying His names. You know, uh, in, in the Old Testament, we have the word shalom, which also means peace. And the shalom of God, the peace of God, what that word shalom means is, you know, narrowed down. It means nothing broken, nothing missing. Okay? So, the peace of God is telling us he wants nothing broken and nothing missing in our lives. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, moved into our heart when we invited him so that peace would be inside of us and peace could also come out of us, right? Because we can't give something that isn't inside of us already, right? We can't release something that isn't living in us already. So Jesus... The Prince of Peace is living inside of us, right? God is love, and because love is now inside of us, we can actually love with the God kind of love. If we're walking in the Spirit, if we're walking in the flesh, we're going to love with the conditional kind of love, which is the love of the world. Are you following me? So in other words, we already have everything that we need inside of us to walk in peace, to live in peace. Peace is also not a circumstantial thing. It is the result of our thought life, and we'll go into that into a moment, but it is not a circumstantial thing. Like, in other words, like, you can say, I'm at peace if everything is perfect around me, 
or how I want it to be. Or you can live out of the abundance of peace from the Prince of Peace that lives inside. Are you with me? And then um, in Isaiah 53, 5, it says that, but he was pierced for our transgressions. So this is the work of the cross, right? Our transgression. He was pierced for that. He was crushed for our iniquities. So he paid for our transgressions, our iniquities. And it says, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And peace is in there, right? And then it says, by his wounds we are healed. So we know he paid for our transgressions, for our iniquities, and for our, uh, and for our sickness. But he also paid for our peace. And I'm going to tell you why. Because Jesus came, right, and he healed them all. And he did miracles. And a lot of times when he, when he would uh, heal someone, he would tell them, now go in peace. But in the original language, it actually says, go into peace. Because when you receive a miracle from God or when you receive healing from God, the way to keep that healing and to now walk in divine health is to walk in peace. Is to walk into peace. Because peace means nothing broken, nothing missing. Peace is when our bodies are at ease and there's no dis-ease. Okay? And so the presence of peace and peace working in our lives and in our bodies is so important because it not only helps us uh, uh, stay healthy, but, but it keeps us from getting sick. It keeps us in divine health and keeps us in that saying of like, I never get sick. Why didn't you ever get sick? You know, well, there could be a lot of reasons, but one of those, peace is a huge element. That's why people who live in high levels of stress, right, develop all these kinds of diseases and high blood pressure and, and all kinds of things. And we've said it a million times that about 95% of all sickness and disease is rooted, scientifically proven, right, by universities, studies, and everything in what? In stress, And so it is God's will for us to live in peace. And not just the peace that is circumstantial, but a peace that flows from our inside so that it doesn't depend on what's going on outside. In other words, it makes us situation-proof. Okay? Uh, in Isaiah 26, verse 3, it says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. All whose what? Thoughts are fixed on you. <clears throat> and so peace, like I said at the beginning, is not something that we could just say, I choose peace. Why? Because peace is the product of our thought life. Whatever our thoughts are fixed on is what determines what we're feeling. And we're feeling like we're in peace or we're in stress or we're in worry or we're in anxiety. And so Peace is a, is, a, is a big key for, uh, for our life, but it's, it's also the, it's the product of our thought life. And so I like to call it, it's, it's a meter. Peace is our meter, okay? Our peace meter. I have a peace meter, okay? And um, you can test any issue of life against how much peace you feel about it, and it will tell you a lot. So, so think about anything right now, especially if you have something right away that you know it's concerning. You don't have peace about that, right? It's, it's a meter, 
right? But what it does is it tells us where our thoughts are about that situation. And so one of the things that I've, one of the habits that I've developed over the years, uh, specifically in the last five years, is um, to find out where my peace went. Because I, I know that in order to live a long life, which is my goal, my goal is to be around until I'm 120 years, you know, like Moses, strong, with still 2020 vision, you know. I mean, this leg is going to be perfectly healed by then, you know. Like Moses climbed, you know, he climbed up a mountain. He hiked up a big mountain like Superstition Springs and then died up there. But not because he was sick, but because that was his time. So he died healthy and strong. He went to heaven. It was just like, all right, I'm done. My race is finished, you know, and he went to heaven. But he was healthy and strong. It's like, that's how I want to go, you know. I don't want to go in pain and with all these you know, physical issues. So, so it doesn't matter how old you are. You know, God wants to heal you and God wants your body to be getting stronger and healthier, not worse. That's the world's way. The world's expectation is like, well, things are just going out one at a time, you know? No, that's not God's will. Okay. And so peace, um, peace is our meter, okay? Um, It's an indicator of our thoughts. And so the thing I was telling you, I have developed this habit that when I'm all of a sudden find myself and I catch myself in stress or, or in anxiety or uh, in worry, you know, I, I, I quickly stop myself and I trace, back, trace my steps back. Just like I do with joy, right? I'm feeling weak. I'm feeling down. I'm like, where did I leave my joy? And I go back and I, and I pick up my joy again because the joy of the Lord is my strength, right? And so the same thing I do with peace. If I am in stress or worry, I catch myself quicker than before so that I don't go a whole day, a whole week, sleepless nights in anxiety and fear and worry. Instead, I catch myself and I go, okay, stop. What happened? And, and what we want to look at is our thoughts. So I literally ask myself, what am I thinking? What am I thinking? Because I don't like feeling like I'm feeling right now, and this isn't peace. Peace is the overwhelming sense that everything is good and as it should be. And, it's, and again, we'll go to that scripture, but it's not a peace based on logical situations, but it's a peace that surpasses understanding. Okay, so it's a supernatural peace. Because I'm walking in the spirit and I'm learning how to live a naturally supernatural life. Okay? And so therefore, I expect to be in peace regardless of what's going on around me. Work, people, uh, economy, government, whatever it is. I'm never meant to lose my peace. Because it's God's will that I walk in peace. The Prince of Peace lives in me. Peace is something not just for me, but it's also something... That God wants me and has commanded me to release to other people, which we'll get to that too, okay? And so where did my peace go? And so I go back and I trace my steps. I go, okay, so I was heading to the car and, uh, and, I'm f- and I caught myself. You know, I'm feeling this way. And so what was I doing before that? I was, uh, let's see, I was paying a bill. Uh, uh, that wasn't it. And what was, uh, what was I doing before that? I got this text message. Oh, that's what it was. 
And so what I do is I take the thoughts related to that message that threw me into, you know, worry or whatever, and I take him captive to the obedience of Christ. I go, ah, you went rogue. Come here. You're not going to take my peace, right? And, and we'll do what, uh, well, I'll show you in a minute. But, but that's, that's what we want to do. We want to be able to trace our steps back and, 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 and get our peace. We don't want to go all day long without peace and, and just in stress and anxiety. You know, everything is harder when you're in stress and anxiety and, and fear. You know, some doctor said that anxiety is the, the thing of this age. Like, people just live in constant anxiety all the time. And I'm like, no, like not us. Like, we're not meant to live in that. And so, um, so anyways, that's, that's what I do. And that's a great habit that you could develop. It's like, find your peace. Where did you leave that? You know, what, what took your peace? Um, so if you're feeling anxiety, fear, or worry, okay, those are emotions that God gave us. I'm sorry, no. Those are not emotions that God gave us. God gave us emotions. Sorry. Okay, God gave us emotions. And sometimes we shut down emotions because we're tough or because we were raised to not be emotional, right? Or maybe they've labeled you a very emotional person always and you've just shoved your emotions, you know, and buried them in the backyard and it's like, I'm not going to be emotional or, or you just don't show them or you ignore them. And, and emotions is like my wife said, uh, they're, they're like your kids. You don't let them drive the car, but you don't put them in the trunk, Okay. <laughs> Do we need to call CPS on anybody here? <laughs> Just kidding. Right? No, we don't put them in the trunk, but we don't let them drive the car. But they're there for a purpose. So what is the purpose of our emotions? God gave us these emotions, and what they are, they're the lights on the dashboard. Okay, that's what emotions are. They're the light on the dashboard. And, and some people think the light on the dashboard is just cute decorations. It's not cute decorations. They're telling you something. And this could apply to men or women. I'm not saying... Okay. <laughs> and so, so it's that light on the dashboard that says, hey, you lost your peace. You lost your peace. You're feeling, you're feeling that anxiety. You're feeling that stress. You're just like, okay, I'm not going to ignore them, but I'm going to listen to them because they're an alarm to my thoughts. Emotions are an alarm to our thoughts. How I'm feeling is... Is it indi- it's an indication of what I'm thinking. And that's why I was saying you can't say, no, I choose peace. No. No, it's an indicator. So you go back into your thoughts and you go, huh, what am I thinking that is not of God, that is, you know, causing me to feel this way? And you take those thoughts captive into the obedience of Christ. You remind yourself, what did God say about this situation? You don't know. You haven't heard the word of God. Then get into the word. Call someone. Hey, I'm dealing with this. What does God say about this? Where is the promise in the Bible about this thing? And you hold on to that promise, and that becomes your anchor. Every time that wants to come back, you go, no, God said this. No, God said this. No, God's word is... Because what you're doing is you're taking those thoughts that went rogue and caused you to feel stress, fear, and anxiety, and you're taking those thoughts captive, and you're saying, nope, you're going to serve me, and these aren't God's thoughts. You with me? Um, Babe, can you come up and tell that testimony real quick? Here. Yeah, when we were... uh, um, 
pregnant with our third. Yeah, Hannah. You know, there's, there's opportunities every day to do this. But um, there was a big one when we were pregnant with our third baby girl. They did an ultrasound, and they saw something on the ultrasound they did not like. They did a second ultrasound, and they said, we do not like this. And it was not good. And so we went home, and obviously our thoughts went to, oh, no, I don't like this. So um, I went home, and I knew that I, I needed a word from the Lord. You can pick out any of the promises in the Bible, and they are yes and amen. But I wanted a personal rhema word. And so I just locked myself in the room, and I got in my word, and I said, okay, God, I'm not leaving until you give me a scripture. You tell me something that's going to override the doctor's report. And I opened up to Isaiah, and it actually said, do not listen to what people tell you behind closed doors. Listen to what I say. And then it went down like this, and it's highlighted in my Bible with the date on it. And I just meditated on that over and over. And sometimes it's instant, sometimes it's a day, sometimes it's a week. But all of a sudden, peace came in, and it did not matter what the doctor said. Well, Hannah was born, they did an ultrasound, and nothing, there was nothing on there. It was false evidence. But, you know, the enemy likes to give us false evidence. And if you believe the lie, we empower the lie. And then it's like, oh, I can do this. And he still kills and destroys from us. And so it's just so powerful to do what yeah. Ben is saying. Is we take our thoughts captive. I could have ran with that. I was a new mama. And it's scary, you know, the things that the, um, the enemy tries to taunt us and lie to us about. So good. So good. Thank you. Yeah. Um, if anything, Hannah came out with extra energy, you know. <clears throat> right? <laughs> There's lots of extra energy. <laughs> So what is, uh, what is worry? Worry is uh, fear of, you know, fear that the future will be like the past, like something negative from the past, right? It's like you're, you're worrying. And then one of the things that is interesting about this is that um, a lot of the worrying and a lot of the anxiety and a lot of uh, uh, this when we lose our peace has to do with um, bad memories, in other words, things from the past that are speaking into your present and into your future, right? You had a bad situation then or 2008 was really hard for you. So when you hear CNN and you hear the news that the economy is, is heading you know, down and all this stuff, what happens is memory speaking to you and saying, yep, what happened then is going to happen to you again. And it's you know, and that's what you can expect. And so we fall into worry, yeah, right? Like last time I felt this way, you know, I had to go, you know, through a lot of heartache or a lot of doctor's appointments. Last time this happened. And so what happens is memory is uh, speaking to us and robbing our peace because of our experience in the past, you know, that says that the future is going to be like the past. But the past doesn't dictate our future. The blood of Jesus does. Amen. Right? He came to redeem us and to save that which was lost. And so with Jesus, things are different. The, the past no longer defines the future. It doesn't define who we are. It's him who defines who we are. And it's his promises that are actually prophesying and telling me what my future, what I can expect of my future. That is what 
we're supposed to do with the word instead of allowing memories and allowing the past to be speaking into our future. You know, if you had a trauma about a situation in the past with a boss or with a leader or with something like that, you know, and we don't heal from those memories, then those memories are going to speak to you again when a situation seems similar and it's going to project into your future and is going to put that in, that hopelessness, that anxiety, like, oh, I've been here before, it's going to happen again. It doesn't have to be that way. And so we lose our peace because of memory. Now, obviously, memory is, is great. God gave that to us, but it can work, in, uh, it can work against us also. If we um, don't line those things up to the Word of God, just because something happened in the past doesn't mean it's going to repeat itself in the future. Amen. Oh, last time I had that symptom, it was this or it was that. No. Just because it happened before, it doesn't mean that it has the authority to repeat itself in your life again. If anything, we're stronger now than we were before. If anything, we have new revelation now that we didn't have before. Amen? All right. Um, so what are the, the lies, the unhealthy beliefs that rob our peace? Well, it says... It's a belief system that says something bad is about to happen. The future will be like the past. Um, but the transforming beliefs or the truth is wonderful things are in store for me. Anybody thinks that's in the Bible? Wonderful things are in store for me, right? And Jeremiah tells us that he knew us before we were even born. And that he has a good plan, a good future for us, good thoughts for us, right? Good ones. Transforming beliefs are, my future is not tied to my past. I am free. Or like James says, God's got this. Right? Um, let's go to John chapter 14, verse 27. It says, uh, this, is, this is a place where Jesus um, speaks to his disciples. And he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Right? That's very interesting. It's not like the world's peace. It's not circumstantial. It's not depending on if everything is okay around you, then you can have peace. It said, no. It says, I'm giving you something, not like the world. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So what gets troubled? Our heart gets troubled. And then we get afraid. So that troubling of the heart, that's anxiety. That's worry, right? And then that's fear. It says, do not be afraid. Peace is the spirit that destroys chaos. And when we, um, when we allow chaos into our life and we don't catch the chaos that is producing fear, anxiety, and worry, it, it, it starts causing chaos in our physical body as well. You know, when, one, of the, um, uh, one, one of the things about um, chaos, like it, it's when organs start malfunctioning, when the blood isn't, how it's supposed to be when, you know, different parts of our body aren't working how God meant it to be. So when the peace and the shalom of God comes in, it brings everything that is not working properly, you know, into uh, order. So it goes from chaos into order. A lot of times when I pray for healing, I pray the shalom of God to bring anything that is in disorder back into order. 
immune immune system issues, uh, uh, high blood pressure, you know, whatever it is. And if we think about it, you know, what does that have to do? You know, there's that person is receiving a miracle or a healing, but in order to keep it, they also have to go, like Jesus told them, into peace. And they have to develop the habit, the habit of tracking back their thoughts so that they don't end up there again. You know, a lot of these memory thoughts that I was telling you, um, even to the brain level, you know, without getting too nerdy here, you know, there, there is things that we open up in our life because of memory thoughts or because remembering, oh, my dad, my grandpa, you know, my family had that stuff. And the moment you come into agreement with that, you actually unzip sickness and you give it authority to spread into your life. And I'm really just simplifying that process, but it's scientifically proven, actually. You know, it's, it's, it's neuro, uh, um, neurology. And so that's what happens is like we come into agreement with those thoughts. We come into agreement with that memory. We come into agreement with a cellular destructive memory, which we've called, you know, uh, generational curses. And we're like, oh, well, that makes sense why I'm feeling this way. And the moment you come into that agreement, you pretty much give it authority in your life and you unleash it. But that's not only physical stuff. That could be financial stuff. That could be marriage, relational stuff. That could be all kinds of stuff. And so what we want to do is we want to partner with a shalom peace of God that brings anything that could potentially be in disorder in our life back into order, right? And instead of allowing those thoughts and those suggestions of the enemy to say, well, your future will be like your past or your future will be like your dad's past or your future will be like your family's past, you say, no, my future will be like the word of God says it is because the blood of Jesus washed me clean and redeemed me of generational curses of the, you know, curse of the law. I redeemed me from all those things. And now I have a new future. I'm a new generation. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I can expect something completely new and amazing for my future because those are the kind of thoughts that God has for me. And so Jesus says, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. It's not like the world's peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. That means when our hearts are troubled and we're afraid, we've walked out of that peace. We've lost that peace. Are you with me? Okay. Let's go to Mark chapter 4, verse 35. This is one of my favorite uh, stories uh, in the Bible about peace. And, um, and we're going to read from verse 35 down to verse 41. Is this helping anybody? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Release the peace. That's right. Yeah, we said that before, right? Yeah. Yeah, you remember that. Yeah. It says, That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Who said this? Jesus said this, okay? Now, we know this is the word of God right here, right? This is what God said. And so right now, God, Jesus, is telling his disciples, he's giving them a word. He's saying, let us go over to the other side, okay? That's a promise. Jesus didn't say, well, let's see if we make it. He said, let's go. We're crossing over. 
And that's God speaking, right? So that's the word of God. So this is what happened. It says, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up. That's a storm, right? And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. So these guys thought they were going to die, but Jesus was sleeping. He was napping while the storm was happening and this boat was flooding. Okay, can you picture that? So the disciples woke him and said to him, now mind you, they're talking to God. We call that prayer. And this is their prayer. Teacher, don't you care we if we drown? Don't you care if we drown? Like they have God in there and they're actually offended at him. How many times do we pray like that? Like he never leaves us, he never forsakes us. And instead of praying in faith and you know asking God what we need, we're like, don't you care about me? Why is this happening again? What is going on? I knew you didn't like me, but you didn't have to drown me. Like we, you know, and we, and we, and we put ourselves in, in that place. And this is what the disciples say. I mean, what kind of prayer is that, right? Hey, don't you care we're going to drown? You know, because he was at peace in the storm. And how many people got mad at you because you weren't panicking during the, the, doing that thing, you know? <laughs> you know, people, some people were mad because we weren't worried enough. Because, you know, and they called us irresponsible and unloving. But it goes to show you right here, like, Jesus was sleeping in the middle of a storm. Why? Because he said, we're going over to the other side. But they didn't believe his word. And it says, he got up, Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Or peace, be still. Different versions say peace. He released his peace into the storm. See, Jesus released what was in him, what was his nature and character. He was the prince of peace, and he released himself into that storm and said, Peace, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? So what had happened? They were troubled. They were afraid. And they were praying without faith. Because a prayer of faith would have been like, hey, Jesus, um, can you just tell the wind to stop? Like, Jesus, we need your help. Like, I know you said we're going over to the side, but it's getting a little flooded in here. Let's do something about it. <laughs> you know, what do you want us to do? <laughs> like, that would have been a, maybe a prayer of faith, you know, a little more. But they were offended and they were like, why aren't you doing anything? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. See, the disciples prayed in anxiety and fear because their thoughts were fixed on the past, on memories. They were fishermen. They knew that kind of stuff. So it wasn't a, a little bit of wind. Like these, some of these were professional fishermen. 
and they had been in storms, and they recognized this was the kind of storm you die in. So they had memories of the past saying, yeah, remember when Pancho didn't come out of that storm? That's a Hebrew name, okay? Yeah, it was like this. I remember. I saw his boat go down, right? And what was it? It was the past, and it was negative memories speaking to them, saying like, yeah, this is your time. You're not going to come out of this one. And it robbed their peace. Hmm. The difference between them and Jesus was in their thoughts at the present moment. Right? Jesus was at peace. He knew he wasn't going to die then. And so the other thing that, um, that we're called to do with peace is not just walk in peace, but also do what Jesus did, which is to release our peace. In Luke 10, 5 and 6, it says, When you enter a house, first say, Peace be to this house. And if someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. And I always thought of this like, man, like this is, I want to do this, but how do you do this? Like, you go in and you're like, peace, and everything changes, you know? Like, I imagine like, I don't know. Yes, exactly. Elsa, everything turning into, you know, something, you know? And so I thought like, <laughs> that's funny. That's exactly what I thought. Um, I'm like, don't say it. But then you said it, you know. And so I thought, like, how is this peace thing, you know, that, that we're supposed to release? Like, if I go into a house, like, am I supposed to make everybody just be quiet? Shh, shh, calm down, calm down. I'm like, if they come to my house, it's not going to work. <laughs> you know, it's just not. And so I was like, okay, what is this like? And so I was meditating on this, and if releasing our peace and how Jesus did it, it means we're carrying peace inside of us, right? And so there's peace inside of us to help someone also receive that peace, someone who is not in peace. And why aren't they in peace? Again, because of thoughts, right? So someone is worried and anxious. You know, it means that I could come to them and release peace to them, not just by saying peace, you know, but like how? Like how do I release peace into them, right? And so... If it's about taking thoughts captive, you know, it's, it's in a way facilitating them to come back to thoughts that are obedient to Christ, to thoughts that are lined up with the word of God. And so um, this is the picture that came to mind. James, come help me, okay? So come up here, you know. So if, I, if, I, if James is thirsty, he has no peace, right? And I give him water. Okay, you know, I release peace to him, okay? Well, now he has to drink it, right? And if he doesn't drink it, then he will remain thirsty, okay? Like, man, you're a good actor too. <laughs> but I, I, and what I'm going to is that this part right here says, if someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. And if not, it will come back to you, which tells me it's a two-way street. Right? I can release peace unto somebody and it just doesn't stick because they're not promoting peace. They're promoting drama. They're promoting fear. They're, they're just too stuck in that place that they cannot promote or cultivate peace. Because remember, peace is 
the fruit of the Spirit, right? Of walking in the Spirit. So something that we can allow, you know, if we cultivate it, to grow. And so if that person that I'm releasing peace to is cultivating it, thirsty for it, ready to receive it, then it will stay. If not, it will come back to me. And it looks as simple as this. And, and this is just a very simple example, but I think it's also the most practical one that we can actually do in everyday life, right? So if I, if I come to James and I say, James, like, um, or maybe he tells me, right? He's worried about something, right? I can release peace to him by what? By encouraging him about what God says about that situation so that he may take those thoughts captive that are going against his peace, right? And go back to peace and be reminded, oh, that's right. That's what God says about that. That's right. You know, there's a testimony about that. That's right. He, he, he got me out of this before. That's right. And if he receives that, He's promoting peace, and the peace will stay. But if he doesn't, if he goes, yeah, well, you just don't know the whole story. Oh, but you just don't know. It's way bigger than that. Oh, no, no, you don't know. The boat is halfway underwater. Like, then what happens? The peace returns to me. It doesn't stay. It doesn't help him in any good. Right? So we can release peace to people, right? As simply as saying, hey, be encouraged. God is with you, you know. And somebody be like, oh. Somebody who promotes peace, they will quickly be like, you're right, thank you. I needed to hear that. Too simple for you? <laughs> so, we, <laughs> so, so we need to become good at promoting peace and receiving peace, right? Because how many times, you know, you, you're telling someone and you're going like, you already quoted all the scripture, you know, and you're starting in Genesis 1. You're like, but remember in the beginning, you know, and he's still like, no, nah, but you just don't know. They're horrible. This is bad. My boss, the economy, the president, this, that, you know, and it's like, and no matter what you say, it just doesn't stick. Why? Because they're not promoting peace. They're not receiving peace. Therefore, it's coming back to you. Philippians chapter 4, we're going to end with this. <clears throat> Oh, I have 99 minutes. That's awesome. Philippians chapter 4 and verse, um, we're going to start in verse 4. We read this uh, on the week that we were teaching about joy. It says, always be full of joy in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Now check this out. Verse 6, don't worry about anything. You know, I don't think the Lord puts the word anything there just lightly. Oh, I know I'm speaking to some warriors. Warriors. You're like, yeah, I'm a warrior. No, you're a warrior. I didn't say it wrong. It was not my Mexican accent. Warrior. Do not worry about anything. Well, but I mean, like, what if it's like a worldwide pen? You know? Oh, then you, then you do worry. It's in the back. No, it's not. Do not worry about anything. Well, but what if, like, you know, like, we just have zero money in the account and the bills are past due? 
Well, I think it still says don't worry about anything. But see, he doesn't leave us just there. He gives us the out. He gives us the answer. And it's simpler. See, God is a lot simpler than sometimes we make it. It says, instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. See, so don't worry about anything because when you're worrying about everything, you're working against yourself, first of all. Okay? You're not promoting peace. You're not promoting faith. You're promoting the opposite. Pray. Okay? So the answer is, is pray. Oh, but, you know, I didn't feel anything. No thunder happened when I prayed. It's, it's all right. Like, it just says pray about everything. Tell God what you need. <laughs> He's like, what you need? Just tell me what you need. Just tell him that. What do you need? You know? And you tell him that. And then it says, and now thank him. Why do we thank him? You know, we're going to thank God before we ever see the manifestation of the promise, before we ever see the result. Because that is called faith. And we're called to live by faith, and faith pleases God. That's it. And so he's like, don't worry. Pray, because I hear and I answer. And now thank me, because that's an act of faith. And faith without works is dead. And sometimes we don't know, what, what works do I do? You thank God. And you don't worry. Thanking God and not worrying is a huge action to your faith. Thank God and stop worrying. Because when you worry, it's actually an insult to the one that you just asked. You know, if I ask James, James, can you please, you know, prepare this document for me because I'm... I'm really stressed about this document. I can't do it. You know, he says, yes, I got it. Thank you, James. He hasn't done it yet, right? And then I go on worrying and stressing. And James is like, why are you worried, Pastor? I don't know. It's just that document. He's like, well, didn't you ask me to do it? Yeah, but what I'm saying is I don't really think you're capable of doing it. <laughs> and we treat God that way. Right? My, rea- my response to that should be like, oh, thank God. <sighs> I trust him. He's, he's, he's taking care of it. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to lose sleep about it. I just, <sighs> just waiting for it to come. And so that's what we're doing. We're praying and we're thanking God. You know, it says, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. And check this out. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. See, when we, um, when we talked about love, love um, in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 3, it tells us that uh, it, though it is too great to comprehend, it says, I pray that you experience his love because it's too great to comprehend, right? And we said that experience trumps understanding. Why? Because it's too great to comprehend. Humanly impossible to comprehend his love. But if you experience it, it's worth more than any understanding, right? And interesting that peace is saying the same thing about peace. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds or transcends or goes beyond any what? Understanding, right? And so again, it is a peace that, uh, that is, it's an experience But it's the result of our thoughts being in the right place, right? And it goes beyond understanding. So 
So we can't explain it. We can't understand it. To people, it's not going to make sense. Why are you so calm? Because I just prayed. I told God what I needed. And I'm not worrying about it anymore. See, but worry has become this very spiritual loving thing, right? And moms are like professional worriers, right? And if you care, you should worry, right? And is this, and let me tell you, there's a difference between worrying and caring. We can care without worrying. I care. I want to know what's happening. I'm not ignoring it. I do care and I'm praying, but I'm not going to worry. Because worry goes against faith. Worry goes against peace. Worry goes, worry doesn't add an inch or a day to my life. But some people feel very important or very valued or very loving because they worry. Am I speaking to somebody? So we can care without worrying and we actually do a whole lot more. Amen? And so, uh, Jose, can you come up here, please? Um, Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And check this out. His peace will guard your heart and your mind. His peace protects our heart and our minds. What did we say that peace was a result of what we were thinking? Our thought life. So when we're in peace, we're actually at the same time protecting our minds and protecting our heart. Because what happened is that thoughts become seeds to the heart and then they produce things out of the heart that we didn't want in the first place. But when you choose to consciously abide and keep your peace and the peace that surpasses understanding, then you're protecting your mind from every sowing seeds of worry and anxiety into your heart and ever producing that stuff in your life over and over again. Amen. Mm. 